Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon, and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, all about beauty beyond the BS. This week's episode is a beauty buzz episode. It's all about beauty news or stories linked to the world of beauty and how we view it. So today I'm looking at the growing commentary on the future of American Vogue, some ridiculous motivational posters aimed at girls at a school in Worcester here in the UK, and the response to the TikTok bold glamour filter. So let's start with the future of US Vogue. These are just my thoughts based on... Being someone that has avidly been a reader of Vogue for most of my life, I would say. It's something that's been increasingly on my mind lately. And this week, when my copy of American Vogue arrived labeled winter rather than a specific month, I realized just how close we might be getting to the potential end of it. I don't think it is going to end, but I just think a lot is going to change. I've known for some time it's been struggling aside from what I see, which in my view are very increasingly uninspired covers as well as stories inside. In January, it was announced that the US edition would be going down to 10 issues per year as opposed to 11, which we've seen for the past three years. While that's not quite the death knell that perhaps moving to digital only could sound for a magazine like Vogue, I think Vogue is very different to, say, other magazines like Allure going online only. Vogue has this cachet that it's relied on for a really long time. But I think depending on who's listening and who's reading, these changes are definitely hints that the magazine, or at least Condé Nast, is trying to save some cash and make the most of its pretty big advertising revenue. Personally, when I saw the sad little winter issue arrive, less than 120 pages for £8.50, by the way, I was really unimpressed. It was just so floppy and lifeless. And I just started wondering how long it might be before other cost saving moves come into play. I'll just give you a little brief breakdown of what's in the winter issue of US Vogue. Like I said, it's very lackluster. We've got Don't Worry Darling actress Florence Pugh on the cover. She looks nice. I mean, yeah, it's just nice. But the only point of interest for me personally is a beautiful fashion story inside that celebrates the Lunar New Year. It features some gorgeous portraits shot outdoors amongst beautiful trees and these gunpowder paintings that look like flowers. And for me, it's the first time I've seen plus size model Yumi Nu. She is stunning. The makeup by Farah Hamidi features very neutral eyes and really pigmented red lips. So it is beautiful. But aside from that one story, there is nothing else there that's making the latest issue of American Vogue a keeper. And I say keeper as someone who is literally a keeper, a collector. I've been collecting US Vogue for probably about two decades now. And lately, there's just something really lacking in the magazine. It's like there's no energy. And I think it might just be that Anna Winter, the editor, is just super comfortable in her role. She's been editor since 1988. And apparently she earns a $4 million annual salary. So I get it. You're allowed to chill. You know, you are someone that has absolutely changed how people saw Vogue. But, you know, things are getting a little bit stale around here. There's nothing wrong with someone being in the same role for, gosh, how many years is that? 
35 years. That's a lot. But it's just, I just think Anna has lost that edge and that desire. Here's some fun fashion history for you. November 1988 is the month that fashion changed forever. That's the month that Anna Wintour became editor-in-chief of American Vogue. In a recent TikTok, Amy O'Dell, who is a brilliant fashion journalist, and she's also been known as Anna Wintour's biographer. I'm not sure if it's official, but she has written a book about Anna Wintour. And in this recent TikTok, she explained that Anna's early decision to put singer Madonna on the cover in May 1988 resulted in that issue selling 200,000 more copies than the May 1997 issue. So that is huge. That is a massive uptick for Anna. That is a huge statement for her to make. And it resulted in a ton of money. That's the move that would be criticized by models, of course, because if you're a model, there are only 12 opportunities per year to be featured on a magazine like Vogue. So putting Madonna on there and of course, later on actresses, it was something that kind of must have hurt the feelings of many of the supermodels. But it's also a move that would go on to influence others, such as Linda Wells, former editor of Allure magazine. Back in 1999, she sat down with her staff and said, nobody cares about models anymore. And (laughs) I'm wondering if that decision is part of the reason why we've seen a decline in magazine sales. Obviously, digital has taken over. I get that. But I'm wondering if for people who love the narrative and the excitement and the inspiration that come with buying fashion magazines, perhaps it became a turnoff that actresses were appearing on the cover rather than models who were kind of just held up as these otherworldly objects of beauty. Perhaps models are better at selling, you know, the dream and fantasy of fashion. But anyway, back to the issues with US Vogue. I think Being editor of that brand is a huge undertaking. Vogue has at times been known for its innovation and its support of fashion talent. And I think to stay in that position of power and influence, you also need to stay hungry and inquisitive or at least pay the right people to do it for you. For Edward Enninfall at British Vogue, I've said this in a recent episode, I feel that Edward is brought in as an experiment to save a really sinking ship. And thank God it has been a massive success. He came in after what ended up being, towards the end, a really boring reign. I'm sorry for Alexandra Shulman. She was there for 25 years. And I think Alexandra Shulman just really enjoyed the old school version of Vogue, which was when it started in 1916 for the British edition, the content was very much about society and the arts. And I think that's what Alexandra herself personally enjoyed. I don't think she brought much to the magazine fashion wise. I'm probably, you know, that's a vast generalization. I've got copies that she would have been editor of and I'm sure some of them looked great. But I think overall, Alexandra Shawman, for me, she was just very stuffy. That British Vogue was really stuffy. And at the end of her reign, the magazine was going through a loss in profits of around 14 million in 2017. So when Edward came in, I think he brought excitement back and he also brought profits back. For me, Edward seized the opportunity and I don't think he's someone who's willing to allow for any comfortable or lazy mistakes. I do think that with each issue, British Vogue becomes better and better. And while I still think some of the content is boring for me, you know, I've said it before, 
I used to be a subscriber. I'm not anymore, but I will buy the issues that appeal to me based on what's on the cover. I do think that Edward is intent on giving us inspiration again. And he's thinking about the content that will get people thinking. You know, there's content in there. Is it mini Vogue? There's content in there for mums and babies now. And I think he's managing to provide a lot while also ensuring that advertisers have a reason to keep spending. And just look at the fact that Rihanna gave British Vogue, not American Vogue, her family cover story. Like how many weeks have people been talking about this Rihanna shoot? I think Edward is a fashion person to his very core. And that's just one of the reasons why the British edition of Vogue is not only the most profitable British magazine, it's also one of the most profitable editions of Vogue. In 2018, it returned to making a profit with Edward. And I think that British Vogue, alongside other editions of Vogue, such as China and Vogue Philippines, have some exciting times ahead. The subject of US Vogue actually came up really recently when I was invited to take part in a special International Women's Day episode. It's actually International Women's Day today, by the way. So happy International Women's Day to everybody who recognizes it. And I was invited onto one of the OG beauty podcasts, Breaking Beauty. I'll be sure to share a link in the show notes for you as it's just come out today. I appeared alongside host Jill Dunn and Carleen Higgins, as well as Anita Bagwandas, a fellow UK journalist whose book Ugly came out in February. I'll leave a link in the show notes to that book for you as well. And together we all chatted about several beauty stories. And prior to recording, Carleen and Jill actually sent some notes over. And one of the notes mentioned that, oh, maybe we'll discuss the fact that Rihanna has been suggested as a potential replacement for Anna Wintour at US Vogue. So we brought this up in the conversation and I jumped on the suggestion purely because change is good. But Anita disagreed. She likened it to the move recently that musician Pharrell has taken over as menswear designer at Louis Vuitton when there are far more qualified and deserving and suitable people who could have done that job. So I absolutely agree with Anita on that. Rihanna does not need to take the job at Vogue. Vogue does not need Rihanna. Vogue needs journalists and editors who live for fashion and can write and deserve the opportunity. But for me, some, I mean, Anna's been there since 1988. A change is good. Don't they say change is as good as a rest? So let, you know, let's just get somebody else in. Let's see something different. US Vogue needs a change. And I'm not blaming Anna for the decline in its sales. She's done a lot. I just think she's lost the hunger. And like I said, who can blame her? It's been a long time. But I do think it's her responsibility to accept that she is no longer serving Vogue's audience. I guess she's, I don't even know if she's serving Vogue's advertisers, but she certainly isn't enticing any new audience members to subscribe to Vogue. Something else that's been on my mind this week is this really ridiculous story that was sent to me about a secondary school in Worcester. For my US listeners, secondary school is children aged 12 to 16. So after junior school and before further education. So I guess in the States that might be senior high school. I hope that's right. But anyway, this institution thought it would be a really good idea to replace the mirrors in the girls' toilets with posters. And when I first heard this, I thought, okay, cool. They're trying to get 
girls to forget that the mirrors are there, you know, and forget just thinking about perfecting their look and it, it might be this encouraging sign. But then I read some of the so-called motivational messages about inner beauty on these posters. One reads, if all girls started wearing no makeup and comfortable clothes, guys would have no choice but to fall for girls because of natural beauty. So that one alone, I mean, it's written really poorly. But anyway, what the actual, like, do we need to list the amount of errors? The implication that all girls dress for guys in the hopes of making them fall for them. The concept of natural beauty. The concept that all girls are only interested in guys, not other girls. I mean, there's just so many assumptions with this. It's just a mess. And by the way, I am reading this in the Daily Fail, aka the Daily Mail. So I'm not telling you to trust the journalism at all, but it is a true story. <laughs> Another poster reads, Dear girls, makeup is a harmful drug. Once you start using it, you'll feel ugly without it. And another reads, beauty is nothing without brains. I just think, who got paid to write this nonsense? <laughs> but for me, there's a really creepy undertone behind these messages. And it reminds me of a really good book. It's called Only Ever Yours by Louise O'Neill. And it's about this kind of finishing school for girls who are created like from birth to be every man's fantasy. And every week at school, they are weighed in and they're given ratings on their looks and their weight. And if their weight is too high, they're given these pills. And if their weight is too low, they're, they're allowed to gorge at the buffet. It's just a really sinister take on a weird kind of grooming of girls to be just perfect in the male gaze. And it's no surprise that the person in charge of putting these posters up is a male, headmaster Neil Morris. Apparently, though, he really regrets putting the posters up because parents and students have complained. What's interesting, though, is that he doesn't actually address the posters potentially, you know, looking at social media and the pressure he says that the mirrors had been removed because the toilets were becoming an area where students would congregate and often be late for class. So he doesn't care about how the girls feel anyway. But never mind. Apparently, the school's English department has seized upon the opportunity to encourage the students to create some argumentative discursive writing. And so far, it's produced some frenzied, powerful writing. Weirdly, the headmaster also said, with hindsight, the posters should have been placed in their classroom area, not in one toilet. So I don't get what he's even trying to say there. But also speaking of toilets, this is the same school that's actually removed the doors from the toilets so that teachers can view the washing areas. So that, again, I don't like that. Apparently it also happened with the boys' toilets. But anyway, how about you know, you are teaching young people different subjects. How about you just teach them to get to know themselves, who they are, and feel good with who they are? Because otherwise, it's just, it's just very messy. Speaking of feeling good about ourselves, or things that can make us feel less than good, I really wanted to talk about the new TikTok Bold Glamour Filter. I tried playing with it myself last weekend and I actually took a photograph of myself with the filter on because honestly, I really like the makeup. 
And for me, this filter is very much about makeup. I think a lot of people are getting quite upset about it. But when you look closely and trust me, I have been looking closely at this filter. I have looked at it on many other people. I have looked at, looked at it on different skin tones, different face shapes. And what I have seen is that it doesn't change the shape of your face. You just need to look really closely. What it does, it's almost like it fills in your face and makes you in its eyes more perfect. So if you're not wearing makeup to begin with, it might just make you a little bit tanned and smooth your skin out and lighten your eyes and give you some lashes. But if you do, but if you use the filter with a full face of makeup, it will add more makeup. But again, it does not change the face shape. And I actually think that's kind of why it's so good and why it's so spooky, because people are looking at it and they're like, but, but it looks like me. And in fact, some people are like, I don't think it's changed me that much because it doesn't change your face shape. And I think we're used to so many filters that really change us. You know, our lips become bigger and more um, pouty. Our cheeks are sucked in. I've had filters that shave my jawline off. This filter doesn't do that. And I think that's why it's freaking us out because we still kind of look like ourselves. But looking at the response to the filter, I've noticed that it's been split into a few different groups. First of all, there are people that really love this filter and they're upfront about it. They are creating videos using the filter and they are basking in how pretty the filter makes them look. They love it. Then there are others who are using it to make a video. They're putting that video out, video out there, but throughout the video, they're expressing how bad the filter makes them feel. And I'm like, okay, there's something there because no matter how bad it's making you feel, you still felt the need to share your so-called beautiful results. Do you know what I mean? I feel that they still feel they were beautiful for a minute with this filter and they want to share that. And then there are others that make videos and they flick the filter on and then quickly take it off. And then they talk about, you know, how bad the filter is making them feel. So I respect all, all of the users using it. I just think it sparked an interesting conversation because there's so many articles saying, it's it's an attack, it's warfare. And I'm just thinking, is it worse than any other filter? And also, you don't have to use it. But yeah, I get it. Filters make us feel, they can make us feel crap. And this is still, but this is still just a filter. It's very sophisticated, but when you shut it down, you are reminded of what you really look like. Like I mentioned, it, it's the subtle way that this filter changes you. For me, the Bold Glamour filter is very much about makeup and it's incredibly focused on, if I could pick one makeup item, it would be concealer. It has a lot of light around the center of the face under the eyes and that just seems to lift you. So I think it's an illusion of lift because it does not actually lift your cheekbones or change your jaw. And it's this illusion of radiance. So that lightness creates lift and radiance. And radiance is also associated with youthfulness. So it's not about a filter that's just like giving you bigger lips and higher eyebrows and higher cheekbones. I think it's you, but it's made you look, well, this is how I could look. And it's distracting people. And then once they take it off, they're like, whoa, that really did look like me. But now, oh shit, this is the real me. This is the real me with the little lines and the dips and the dents and the wrinkles and the dark marks. But 
Before I go on, I just wanted to share how and why the Bold Glam Filter is so good. So I'm going to share what TikToker, model and educator Zangster said on TikTok. Today I learned that this new viral beauty filter was created using machine learning. Unlike traditional beauty filters that use an augmented 3D face mesh that is overlaid on top of your face, filters like Bold Glamour uses a machine learning tech called GAN, meaning every pixel on your face is regenerated and then outputted after referencing another data set of images, which is why the filter looks so realistic. I'll be sure to share a link to Zangster's TikTok so you can check out more of her content. Elsewhere on TikTok, I once I'd gotten through the array of people using and talking about the filter, I found some accounts from people with visible facial differences talking about the filter. And I found Rona Christie, a TikTok user who has had a lot of experience with reconstructive surgery. And she says that she thinks the filter is fine if you're someone who has never been bullied about your appearance. But she questioned how she may have felt in the past. I'm just going to insert what Rona says here because obviously she can say it a lot better than I can. If your TikTok is anything like mine, um, it will have been full of people using this new bold glamour filter. Um, And I have a few thoughts from a person with visible differences perspective. I think if your appearance has never been made a significant issue for you, you know, if you've never had to deal with bullying or harassment or um, you know, real impacts on your mental health about how you look and how society is treating you based on how you look, these things can just be seen as a bit of fun. Why is everyone making a fuss? Um, they're just a, like a tool like makeup. But these effects are new. They're like people reporting that it really is messing with their brains, almost like how they see themselves. It can be really difficult if you're looking at a camera and what's reflecting back to you is an idealised version of yourself and you can see it right there. If these are things that affect you, I just want it to be a voice to say that you really don't need to pay attention to what a filter thinks is a better version of your face. It has taken me years to learn how to love how I look, and I really do now. I love my big nose and my unusual lips, and they really just make me who I am. But if these kind of things had been around when I was really struggling, I don't know what it could have done to how I felt. So if you've ever been in the same boat, um, try and ignore these filters, focus on good things about your unique appearance, um, and I'm going to try and be boldly glamorous in my own way. I'll be sure to share Rona's account in the show notes because I actually found her really enlightening about other subjects that come up for people who are visibly different and after listening to her thoughts I started to think that some of the people complaining about the bold glamour filter who are actually conventionally pretty in inverted commas they could well find themselves being labeled as privileged I mean they're complaining about not looking like a filter but Are they someone that has ever been stared at for looking different or having a visible difference in their face that can't be hidden with makeup? By acknowledging that, by the way, I'm not saying that filters aren't damaging and I'm not saying that your thoughts and feelings don't matter if a filter makes you feel bad about yourself. I'm not saying that at all. I just think it's interesting to look at things from different angles and you know what? You don't have to use these filters. You don't even have to, just because somebody you follow uses that filter, you don't have to try it. You can just carry on and be you, or you can be inspired by the filter. One thing I have enjoyed seeing is people using it to create makeup looks. Like I said, I myself 
took a picture of me with the filter on because I was like, I really like the shape of the makeup and the color. So I'm not someone that's ever going to say filters aren't damaging. I just think a lot of it is down to us. And if you know this podcast, then you'll know I talk a lot about filters as well as retouching in media. So let me know what you think. Do you think the Bold Glamour filter is making you feel less than? Do you feel less beautiful when you use the filter? Have you got any thoughts? Do you care? Let me know. As always, I'm interested to know what you think on this and any other subject within beauty. Feel free to get in touch in the DMs at Beauty Me Podcast on Instagram or Twitter or say hey over on TikTok at Sharice Kenyon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit subscribe or follow and leave a review. And don't forget, there's also the newsletter at beautymenotes.substat.com. See you next time.